Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Uh, Most of us do not have a Jewish background by ethnicity or by religion. Most of us in the room, although there are a few, this is kind of fun, in recent, uh, in the last year, we've had a few coming through our doors who are coming from a Jewish background. Uh, But if, if you know of someone who does have that background, then you have some idea of the meaningfulness of their, their culture. For example, in just a couple of months, if you're, if you're paying attention, you will see some little shelters going up in the backyards of some of your Jewish friends. That's because the Feast of Booths will be happening at the end of September. The Feast of Booths is something that was instituted in the Hebrew scriptures, in the law, for God's people to remember what it was like when they left Egypt and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So people set up shelters in their yard, and many of them go out and they'll just eat meals out there. Some who are hardcore will go out and sleep out there, and they're they're doing that to remember and to celebrate that God led his people through the wilderness. So that's one festival that they recognize, that Jewish people Recognize, Of course, uh, Passover happens in the spring. And then every Friday is Shabbat uh, or Sabbath. And it's, it, I, we had the privilege, my wife and I had the privilege a number of years ago to go and share Shabbat with Rabbi Gaber from Congregation Brothers of Israel just down the road here. And it was so fascinating to be part of that because they have... Uh, readings that they do, special prayers that they do, light candles, that kind of thing. There's a, there's a lot of special recognition in that. It's just very, very meaningful. And I confess that, that as a Christian, I have not always really held their beliefs, their practices to the respect that, that it really deserves. And an example of that is uh, many, many years ago when I had graduated from, from college and I was moving from work, work life, to uh, seminary. Uh, I was leaving the University of Maryland and going to, to Texas. And the director of my department was Jewish. And he invited me out to lunch because he wanted to, to send me off with a farewell. And so we had the opportunity that we hadn't had before to really kind of talk about our mutual faiths. And I went into that conversation really, really ignorant and honestly a little bit arrogant. And I had this mindset of like, hey, you know, you, you Jewish people, you used to be close to God and then you lost that and now we've got it. And so what's been going on for you for a couple thousand years? Did everything just kind of grind to a halt? And he, I, I know some of the questions I asked were just so rude and he, was, he patiently kind of explained to me, well, Judaism has has continued to evolve and grow, and there's these three main divisions of it and everything. And anyway, we had, we had a decent lunch and conversation. I don't think I left him with a great impression of what a Christ follower is like. 
And so I have endeavored to improve that over, over the years, and hopefully I do better today when I have a conversation with, with a, a Jewish friend. Many of us have a neighbor or a coworker, someone in our sphere of influence who is coming from a Jewish background. And I hope that you, as I am, are praying for those individuals to recognize that Jesus is actually their Messiah that they have been looking for. Today we're gonna look at a passage that offers those of us who are not Jewish some insight into why it is so hard for Jewish people to embrace Jesus as Messiah. And so my prayer today for all of us is that we leave with a greater understanding of our Jewish friends and also some tools to help us build some bridges to them as we talk about our faith. If you would take a Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter nine. We are continuing our study of Romans in season three, which I'm affectionately calling the deep end of of Romans. Some of this is is really, really challenging. The last few weeks, we have needed floaties, and uh, today, not so much. Today, we are actually revisiting some themes and ideas that we have seen before, if you've been with us in this study. We're just gonna look at them from a different angle. And so just pretty simple outline for us this morning, and it's this. There are two possible paths to being right with God, at least in people's minds, Um, the path of works and the path of faith. We're going to look at the path that most of the world takes, including Jewish people, which is the path of works, seeking to be right with God through the path of works. We're gonna talk about why the path of works doesn't work. And then we're gonna talk about how the path of faith is able to make us right with God. Most Jewish people and the majority of, of the world have chosen the path of works. So let's start in Romans 9, verse 27. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. So in other words, being wiped out totally. God saved the Jewish people from being wiped out totally by saving a remnant of them by faith. Verse 30, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, That is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as as if it were based on works. All right, let's pause there for a second. Okay, so in the pursuit of being right with God, Jews in general have taken the path of works. 
of the law, specifically the works of following the law, the Torah that God gave to them. There are exceptions to that. I mean, clearly there's exceptions in the New Testament. I mean, everyone who was a follower of Jesus moved away from relying on the law to relying on something else that we will talk about. So there are exceptions for that, but by and large, the Jewish people have taken the path of the works of the law. And in fact, every religion is practicing works of some sort. They're, they're practicing a performance of some sort. So as, as Sophie listed off those different major world religions that are represented in the, the 1040 window, we think of Islam, they have the, the pillars of Islam, five things that they are supposed to be practicing in, in their life to be close to God. We, we know that Buddha had teachings that if you are a Buddhist, you are to follow. Similarly, from Hinduism, they have systems of practices that they need to be abiding by. And so I am glad, I'm, I'm really glad that our children's ministry is learning about this. So if you have kids who are, are coming to that, it is so important for us to understand, and, and hopefully, hopefully kids will grow up with a greater sensitivity than I did, so that when you're having a conversation with someone, you can show respect for them. Doesn't mean you agree with them, but we're showing respect for them and a curiosity to understand where they're coming from so that we can have an intelligent conversation about where we're coming from as well. This, this path of works and performance is actually the belief system of by far most Americans. So, and we Americans would not really think of it as a belief system because it's just the way things are. When something is part of your culture, it's just the way things are. We don't really think of it as I'm ascribing to this belief system, but it's a belief system that says, I just need to work hard. I need to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't rely on what somebody else gives to me. I make it work myself. That's the mentality of a path of works and a path of obeying the law. Paul says the path of works doesn't work to bring us into right standing with God. Let's read on in verse 32. We'll, we'll read all of 32. It's hard to start in the middle. Why? Did the Jewish people not succeed in reaching that law? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, and this is Isaiah again, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Let's talk about the word stumbling for, for just a moment. It's a really rich, really interesting word. So think about the last time you stubbed your toe. It's probably a painful memory just, just to think about. The last time you stubbed your toe. There's two things that happen generally when we, when we stub our toe. First is there's like excruciating like physical pain. Like it, it hurts really bad. But right alongside of that, very quickly following, there's almost this emotional anger, offense that happens. And, and there may be a measure of that that's like, you know, I'm mad at myself. Like, how did I let this happen? But usually far more than that, I'm mad at somebody else. And I'm mad at like who left that thing there so that when I got up in the middle of the night and was going to the bathroom, I would stumble over it, I would stub my toe on it. 
Or I'm mad, maybe it's not you know, somebody that left something there, I'm just mad at the thing. Like, how dare you like, be in my way? Like, it's this personal offense. That's the sense of the Greek word here for, for stumbling, this, this stone of stumbling. It's not just that there's a, a hindrance or something getting in the way. It's also there's an emotional reaction. There's an offense. That's why it goes on to say a rock of offense. And so... Jews, the the Jewish people are offended by and large, most of them were offended when Jesus came and still are offended with the idea that Jesus would set himself up to be equal with God. I mean, they're deeply offended by that. There's only one God and we can't see him, so how could Christ be like him or be equal to him? They're, they're deeply offended by the idea that Jesus is the, he, he said he was the only way to the Father. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And, and so in the Jewish mind, they're thinking, wait a minute, we've been spending all these years, all these generations revering and following the law and the Torah, we, that, that's the path to God. And now this person is coming along saying, he's the path to God. That's why he's a stumbling block and a rock of offense. 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah predicted that God would lay this stone to cause stumbling. But he says, even in that prediction, he says right here, as it quotes it, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes in him. And remember, we've, we've defined that word belief as we're studying through Romans as absolute trust. This is not a cognitive understanding that, that Jesus is the way to God. This is, I'm all in. Like I'm putting all my eggs in this basket, absolute trust. If Jesus isn't getting me to be in relationship with God and getting me to be with him forever, I'm not getting there because he's the only way. That's what believing in him entails. And so Paul goes on, there's there's more that he has to say about why the path to works doesn't work. We go right into chapter 10. Brothers, he says, <laughs> my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, for my Jewish brothers and sisters, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Okay, please uh, note, we'll pause there. Please please note that uh, no matter how passionate or zealous we may be about something, if it doesn't line up with reality, it's not going to work. Okay, so when it says in verse two that they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge, we we can be super zealous and passionate about something, and we may be totally off base. I, I can't tell you, and I don't wanna tell you, the number of times that I have been convinced and passionate that I am driving in the right direction to the destination that I think I'm getting to. This was especially before we had GPS. And I'm just like, I, th- I know this is the way. 
Lo and behold, it was not. And so it doesn't matter how passionate I am about it. That doesn't make it the right path to go. Our faith about how to be right with God has to be based on what God says. It's not just about our opinion and what we think may be right. So in verse three, he says, being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. It's worth reminding ourselves what the righteousness of God entails. What is he talking about here, the righteousness of God? Well, Paul defined it very clearly back in chapter three. If you would keep your finger in chapter 10, but flip back a few pages to Romans 3, Uh, verse 20 of Romans 3. And and you may recall, if you've been with us, that this comes after a very long uh, quote, a whole bunch of quotes where Paul is pulling from the Old Testament to describe how every one of us has fallen short of God's righteousness and God's standards. So he's just been making this very sobering case that no one is able to live up to God's standard. And so Romans 3.20 says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now, verse 21, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So the righteousness of God, Paul is redefining from saying it's about obeying the law. It is is now all about believing in, trusting in, absolute trust in this person named Jesus. He is Christ the stumbling block. So Romans 10, back to Romans 10, verse four. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Okay, we should pause for a moment and consider how absolutely radical that statement is for Jewish ears. Okay, that, that, is, that just kind of blows all of their circuits. Jesus Christ brought a cataclysmic change in the way that we relate to God, that we get to God. The, the, the Jewish people have always been focused on the law, on the Torah, on knowing it, on obeying it, on honoring it. And now Paul says, Christ, in verse four, he says, Christ is the end of the law. That that word end can mean, and probably does mean two different things. It means that Christ is the end goal of the law. So so that all of those, the, the, the Hebrew prophecies are pointing forward to Christ, so Christ is the end goal of those things. It also means that Christ is the termination of the law. It's the end of the law as the way to God. That is absolutely radical. You and I, if if we don't have any kind of Jewish background, we would have a hard time comprehending what a massive paradigm shift this is. I had a conversation with a Jewish friend this week. He's my my backdoor neighbor. 
And I just, I told him, I said, hey, I'm, I'm preparing for this message and I really would love to hear your perspective. What, what is your experience like with your faith and, and with the law? And so he told me that he is, he is part of the, <laughs> there are three major arms of Judaism these days. There is the Orthodox, the Conservative, and then the Reform. And so he would be part of the Orthodox but I learned so much in this conversation. It was so interesting because I've always perceived as Orthodox, I've perceived of Orthodox people as they, they are the very, very strict people, right? And, and if you see people walking on Sabbath to their shul and they're, they're dressed and they're walking because they can't drive cars on the Sabbath and so forth, I mean, they're very, very strict. And um, so my neighbor is part of that, but he... He calls himself Orthodox Light. And so he, he is very easy on himself as far as those rules. And so I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know you could be Orthodox Light. So, but what he was describing for me is he said that for those who are very strict, like on, on Shabbat, on Friday, they, they cannot flip a switch. They can't turn lights on. So what they will do is go through and turn all the lights on in their house before sun, sundown so that the lights are on for, for the weekend. They have special ovens so that the oven is just on at a low you know, temperature for the weekend and so on and so forth. Um, and, and they won't drive cars. And this was interesting, I didn't, I didn't realize this, but he said that there are some who even will uh, pray, like for, for them to consider that their prayers are getting through, they have to have a certain number of people in, in the room participating in that prayer to gather. So there's, so, so all that to say, when, when you hold the law and the, the Torah, and they find all of the basis for this in the, in the first five books of the Bible, in, in the Torah, when, when you hold the Torah at that level, no wonder many Jewish people are, have a hard time making a shift from that to say, you mean now I'm supposed to believe in this person? Like now I shift all of my faith to believe that, that Jesus somehow fulfilled all of that and so now I'm trusting him? That, that's a hard, hard leap to make. Meanwhile, many non-Jewish people have found the path to God through faith. So the path of faith, we see that starting in verse five. <laughs> For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's pause there. Um, if you are anything like me, uh, when I've read this passage many times, I'm. I get a little confused about this ascending, descending stuff. So let me try to help us get a little handle on that. Maybe you're not confused and you already know this, but I'll help the rest of us. So 
it's really helpful to see the Old Testament verses that Paul is referencing here. They come from Deuteronomy. We'll put them up on the screen. So these come very near the end of the Torah. And, um, and we'll read these. You'll, you'll recognize some of these phrases from Romans 10. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Remember, this is Moses speaking to the people as they are ready to go in and begin the conquest and moving into the promised land. This commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. All right, so let's read these verses as a Jewish person would. There, there's a heavy, I'll keep those up there, please. We're gonna keep these up here for a while. Um, there's a, a really heavy emphasis on knowing and doing the law. So if you notice there, after that first underlined phrase, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may, what? Hear it and do it. And that same phrase gets repeated in the next, after the next underlined phrase, that we may hear it and do it. And then the whole quotation here ends with, so that you can do it, right? So there's this heavy emphasis on knowing and doing the law. In the midst of that, he says, you don't have to go chasing after what the law is. It's already near you in your mouth and in your heart. So now with that, so, so the Jewish people have had that for thousands of years, and now Paul in Romans 10 is audacious enough to say, these verses have been fulfilled in Christ. These verses were pointing forward to Christ, and he has accomplished it. It's, he, he, he's using the law, Paul is using verses from the law to show that the law is not ultimate but Christ is ultimate. So in, in verse six, he says, and now I'm in Romans 10, but keep this up on the screen so that you can see these phrases. He says, the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. So we, we don't need to bring Christ down because he's come. Christ has come, and then verse seven, who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? We don't need to bring Christ up from the dead. He's already risen. God has done that. So now that Christ has come, and now that he has risen, the word of verse eight, when it says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, it is now the word of faith this is referencing now the word of faith that we proclaim about Christ. And so, verse nine, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So, being right with God is not a matter of works, but of word. 
It's a matter of believing God's word and embracing it to the point that it is in your mouth and in your heart. We, we need to appreciate that, that verse nine is absolutely radical. And, and it's not just radical for Jewish people, it is radical for everybody. Read verse nine again. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, let's, let's pause there. Why is this so radical? Think about Paul's audience to Rome. He's writing to the people in Rome. Lord was a title for Caesar. That's why this is radical. Paul is saying, not Caesar. Caesar's not Lord. Jesus is, is Lord. And so we, we've already spent a lot of time talking about how radical and offensive Jesus is to the Jewish mindset. Jesus is also radically offensive to the Roman mindset, to the Greek mindset. So basically Jesus is an equal offensive kind of person. Just he wants, he's gonna offend everybody in some way, shape, or, or form. And so as difficult as it might be, Paul is insistent on the centrality of Christ. And so we come to this question. Is your faith in the law or is your faith in the Lord? Is your faith in the law? And that could be, that would be in the Jewish mindset, the, the actual law, the Torah. Or if it's Islam, it's the pillars. Is your faith in your obedience to the pillars? Or if you're American, is your faith in your performance, that you're able to hold it together and do what you need to do so that you can get through life? Is your faith in the law, whatever your version of the law happens to be, or is your faith in the Lord? Because those are the two questions. And Paul says the path of the law, the path of works, doesn't work. The only path that brings us into right relationship is the path of the person of Christ, faith in the person of Christ. The next verse here in verse 10 brings us back to this idea of the stumbling block. Verse 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. That, that's a reference back to the, the quote there at the end of Chapter, chapter nine. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. He's so gracious and generous. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Bottom line, is your faith in the law or is your faith in the Lord? Are you calling on the Lord for your salvation. This is all radically freeing for those who come to the point of recognizing that we can't perform the way God would require us to. I mean, I can't even live up to my own standards for myself, let alone live up to the standards of the perfect holy, righteous God of, of the universe. So this is radically freeing when we come to the realization, you know what? I, it's not my performance that gets me into favor with God. 
It is faith in Jesus who had perfect performance and now credits his record to, to mine. It's radically freeing when we realize that, but it is radically hard for the Jewish person who was raised to honor and memorize and obey the law. And no one knew that better than Paul. I mean, recall that for the first decades of his life, he was absolutely passionate about, he was zealous to obey the law. And he stumbled on the stone of Christ to the point that he was taking people out of their homes and putting them in prison and and part of a, a huge persecution until God sovereignly intervened in his life and chose him and changed the trajectory of his life from being on the path of works to being on the path of faith. All of this to say, our Jewish friends need our our patience, our empathy, our understanding. They they certainly do not need our arrogance. They, They need our patience and our empathy. And they need our prayers. All right, I think I've got time for this. We, we have covered a lot this month already, starting Romans 9. There's, there's a really beautiful summary of what we have seen already, really nice, concise summary that was written by Paul in the book of Galatians. So if you would leave Romans for now and go to Galatians chapter three, we will, we will end with this. It is on page 1075 if you're using one of those Bibles. Galatians was written before Romans, and it was almost like Paul was starting to formulate his ideas. And so it's kind of an early version. And then Romans gets, you know, takes all the ideas of Galatians and like expands on them exponentially. But uh, Romans 3 or Galatians 3, I need to turn there myself. I usually, <laughs> this is funny. So. I always plan to talk while you're turning, and I usually have it marked so that I can just go there really quickly, and I didn't do that today. All right, we are in uh, Galatians 3. I'm gonna get there. Hang on. Wow, that must be summertime or something. I don't know. All right, Galatians 3, 7. Know then, and, and this even actually goes all the way back to chapter 4 of Romans. Know then that it is the faith of, the faith It is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So in other words, if you're gonna take the path of law, if you're gonna take the path of works, you gotta do it all. And you gotta do it all exactly right. And he says, if you take that path, you're gonna be under a curse because none of us can do, do it all. Verse 11, now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. I hope you recognize that verse. That is the exact same quotation from Romans 1.17 that we keep coming back to, the one who by faith 
is righteous shall live. Verse 12, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit. How? Through faith. Through faith. There are two possible paths to God. The path of works or the path of faith. The path of works doesn't work. So is your faith in the law or is your faith in the Lord? For those who have never called on the Lord, Romans 10 verse 9 is for you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never prayed that, if you've never called on the Lord, make today your day to do that. Do that as we're closing up here today. Do that, come up afterwards and pray with someone on our prayer team. Don't, don't let another day go by that you are holding your faith in the law and your performance and whatever you can get done. Let go of all that. Rest, rest in what Christ has already done for you. For those of us <coughs> who have called on the Lord, Many of us, and probably maybe all of us, have a Jewish friend, neighbor, coworker. I wanna encourage you to do something very practical. I wanna encourage you to initiate a conversation with them, like I had uh, this, this past week. Um, as you go into that conversation, though, here's, here's a couple of ground rules, okay? Go in with curiosity, okay, that you're wanting to learn from it. You're, you're going in from a posture of being a learner and being a listener, okay? Use the two ears that God gave you and be very careful with the one mouth that he gave you, okay? So listen twice as much as you talk. You're going in to be a learner. Do not go in with the goal to convert them, okay? That would be called proselytization, okay? We're not about proselytizing, we're about evangelizing. And evangelizing, there's a huge difference because proselytizing means that we're trying to coerce somebody into believing what we believe. Evangelizing means that we are being a witness of what we have come to believe. And so you're being a witness. You go into that conversation to just be a witness of the love of Christ. If God opens the door for you to talk about your faith, then by all means, walk through it. But don't try to force the door open. That's not the point of the conversation. The point of the conversation is to go and, and be, to, to develop some greater understanding. So if nothing else, you'll leave that conversation with a, a greater appreciation for your own salvation, and you'll know better how to pray for your friend. Let's pray now. Father, <laughs> thank you for providing us the path of faith because the path of works doesn't, doesn't work for us. We, we confess that we cannot live up to your law. We can't even live up to our own expectations of ourselves or anybody else's. Lord, thank you for providing Jesus who lived 
perfectly and fulfilled the law so that he could be the end of the law and the termination of the law as the path to you so that now he is our path through relationship and through trust. I pray for the person this morning who has never called on the name of the Lord, and I pray that today would be their day to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior, as their king, that they might rest in the salvation you've accomplished for them, the forgiveness that you offer to them, and that they might seek to now follow and live after you. And Lord, I pray for for all of us who have Jewish friends and neighbors, may we be respectful, and and even whether they're Jewish or coming from any other background, everybody has a background, we all have reasons for why we've come from where we've come from. Lord, may we respect those differences, even though we may not agree with them, and Lord, give us the heart of Christ who came to live among people who thought very differently than he did, and he came to build bridges and relationships with them so that he could show the love of God to them and call them to the, the, that one path that is through him. Lord, may we be, become better and better representatives of Christ so that more and more people will want to follow you. We pray in Jesus' name.